I want to start off with a discussion question. It's not going to be on, it will be on chat, but it's, it's not based upon how fast you can type or get it in uh, to the chat feature. That's the good news. Um, uh, but here's the question. Let's say an out of town friend um, asks you what restaurant in Marin you would recommend, what would you tell them? Or just to put it, if it was a fill in the blank, if you are visiting Marin, you have to eat at, how would you answer that? All right. I like the first one for sure. Soul food. Yes. Miracle Mile Cafe. I'll have to try that one out. I guess that's in, that would be in San Rafael, San Anselmo. Um, Barefoot Cafe. Uh, Soul food now has, has two, um, Recommendations. Ooh, a grilled cheese at Hot Monk. Yes. Um, Stephen is saying that he, he's going to try and uh, lure us back into the city, is what it is. Um, Grapevine, La Hacienda. This is great. This has nothing to do with the service. I was just looking for a place to go today uh, for food. Um, just kidding. Thai Smile on 4th. I got to make sure Beth knows about that one. Um, some taquerias. Great. So, so let me ask you a question um, based upon your answers there. Um, how many of you recommended a restaurant based upon how big it was? That's kind of a rhetorical question. I think I know the answer to it. Um, how many of you recommended would recommend it because of the seating capacity? I would think very few of us. So I'm guessing what you based your answer on had to do with quality and taste, um, ambiance, or maybe the way it embodies the heart of that particular part of Marin, um, the way it is part of the culture of a particular area. Uh, Soul Food was the first place that I was taken to. Uh, Brian and Katie took Beth and Jack and I to Soul Food uh, on a, I think it was on a Saturday. We knew it was good when we saw the line out the door. That was, that was a good indicator. Um, and what a great way, what a good, great introduction that was for us. So here is, here's my application for that. Um, what if we, Bay Marin, like a favorite restaurant became a vital part of the culture of this county. Um, we do not have to be a big church. Seating capacity has nothing to do with it. In fact, the church in its most potent form, uh, as we see, have seen it historically, is actually quite small. But what if people in Marin began spinning from being loved so fiercely by a church on fire for God? Bay Moran is a church that knows how to love well. I've been on the receiving end of that love. Um, I know you know how to love well. Um, so what if people began to recommend, oh, hey, you gotta visit with the people of Bay Moran. If you're in Moran, you gotta, you gotta connect with those people. Uh, to draw from the example of a current COVID, res COVID restriction on restaurants, um, how will we feed Marin when we cannot invite them in to sit and dine with us? The church building doors are closed, just like restaurants are. So I guess my question is, how can we offer takeout 
how can we take Jesus out to the people? So I want us to, to read a, a brief story in Exodus, and it's the story of God calling Moses. And uh, the first time I read it, we'll just kind of absorb it, and then I want to outline two basic principles that I believe give us potency as we take Jesus out into the world around us. And then um, in just a few minutes, we're going to go back through this passage and we're going to just use our imaginations and you can begin to do that now, picturing yourself there when this took place. I've said uh, many times over the years, I hope God has video recordings of all of these things in the Bible, because this is one that for sure I would love to, to see how this unfolded. And so we pick it up in Exodus 3 and Moses has been a shepherd out in the wilderness for 40 years. For the first 40 years of his life, he was a part of royalty in Egypt and uh, fled to the wilderness. Um, he is watching his father-in-law's sheep. And uh, it is in the midst of doing that that we, we pick it up. And uh, in this story, there is a voice that emanates from a bush that is burning, but is not burning up. And it catches Moses' attention. He notices not just that the bush is on fire, um, but he notices that it's not being consumed by the fire. And out of that burning bush, Moses hears his name being called. So we pick it up in verse 9, and the Lord is, is describing to Moses what he is calling him to do. The Lord says, and now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I've seen the way of, of the Egyptians. I've seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you. So I want us to think about um, as we enter into this new year, as we as a church think about, um, although our physical doors may be closed, how we can offer some great takeout, um, as we consider individually, personally, what is God calling us to in this new year? <clears throat> And calling is the intersection of two things that, uh, that are highlighted in this passage. The two things are intimacy <clears throat> and mission. The intersection of intimacy and mission. So intimacy is a big part of this calling. What do I mean by intimacy? Well, think of it this way. We want to hear God speak to us personally. And his voice, when we hear something personal, said to us, and I'm not talking about an audible voice, although maybe you're fortunate enough to hear God's audible voice, but it comes to us through his spirit as he um, seems to underline a section of scripture, or he speaks to us through a trusted friend, um, or something comes together, circumstances come together in a way that it can only be attributed to God. We want to hear God speak to us personally, and that personal call represents a very intimate connotation. When God calls me, I'm reminded that he knows my name. 
It's not just a general, hey, you. It is something specific to me. So consider the implications of that. It means he knows you and he wants you. Calling begins with being known and wanted. Um, it's not fun to be called, but unknown. Uh, I thought about this uh, when I was in college. I, I played a little basketball and my, my coach uh, was known for doing something when one of us screwed up in the game, he would spring up off the bench and in the midst of pointing and ranting about what we did wrong out on the, on the court, he would, without looking, he would simply grab whoever was closest on the bench, pull on their jersey and say, go in the game. Now, now on one hand, what we learned was if you wanted to play, all you had to do was simply sit close to the coach where he could reach you and then wait for somebody to mess up. Um, but I wouldn't say that this method of coaching was all that effective. In fact, it sort of conveyed, you don't really have to be good or special, just don't do what that guy did. I don't care who you are, just go. Well, there is a more positive and healthy side to be called. Think of it this way. When I call for one of my kids, I do expect them to come. They don't always. But when I call for them, I do expect them to come. And occasionally, the one who hears me calling is not the one who I'm actually calling. So in other words, if, if I'm calling for Callie, Jack might be the one who hears, and he feels an obligation to relay the message. And what he will say is to Callie, dad wants you. Now, this is the first and most beautiful implication of calling. This very thing here, the father wants you. Can you let that sink in? Whether you are hearing him directly or I'm like your brother saying, hey, dad wants you. The father wants you. God calls you because he loves, knows, and has something just for you. And it astonishes the mind and it fills the heart. And this is why people need to know they are being called because mission must begin with that moment of being known and loved by God. God called Moses by name and God promised Moses that he, God himself, will accompany Moses on this mission. How personal is that? It's not just, I know your name, I'm going to go with you. So picture this, with perhaps a natural and expected sense of insecurity, Moses asked the Lord if he could even fulfill such a calling. And I think maybe Moses was fishing for some encouragement, don't you? Maybe a compliment. And when he's saying, you know, who am I? He was probably hoping that, that the Lord would speak with an attaboy or a solid pat on the back. But, but that's not what Moses got. God did not reply with, dude, Moses, you were raised in royalty. Of course you can do this. God did not say, Moses, relax. All you have to do is Google it and you'll learn all you need to know, okay? No, God simply said, I will be with you. And God's response to Moses' question makes me laugh. That's <laughs> because it's kind of like God saying, you're correct. You can't pull this off by yourself. So, how about if I go with you to make sure all goes as planned? So Moses asked that question. When called to the dizzying, daunting task of leading a nation to freedom, 
the veteran shepherd questioned whether he had it in himself to accomplish such a feat. And the Lord's response, Moses, I know you and I want you. And just so you, just to give you another example, um, God the Father did that with his only son. We read that after Jesus was baptized, God the Father called Jesus his beloved son. This was at the onset of Jesus' ministry. He was saying, son, I know you and I want you. So part one of your calling is the intimacy of being known and loved by God. The last thing I want is for you to feel like you're getting yanked off the bench and it doesn't matter what you do. I want you to know that God knows you and loves you. And he does have a mission for you. We want and need God to speak to us personally. But we want to know the purpose to which we are called. And this is the second type of calling. Well, it's still personal. It goes beyond affirmation into a specific mission. I believe that we all carry a suspicion that we are made for something, that life is not without meaning, and that the Creator God has made each of us in His own image to create and build like He does. And I believe we know, or at least we hope, that there is some task, some mission to which we alone, to which I personally, you personally, are being called. And from that, we hope that it gives us eternal purpose and satisfaction. Um, my guess is that you don't want to settle for just attending church and being told what to think and how to live. In the Gospels, we read about those first followers of Jesus who were drawn into a mission. The early church grew exponentially, but not because people were flocking to, to just attend something or to be told how to live. They wanted to be a part of a movement. And it seems to me that God calls us to a mission that is beyond us in our natural abilities. Have you noticed that? And it's not necessarily a call to something that will turn out successfully in our term of success, which kind of leads me to rethink the term successful as maybe it's just willing obedience. God lays before you a mission and he's inviting you into willing obedience. I believe that God dreams of a church where everyone is engaged and not just a selected few. I dream of a church of missionaries deeply in love with Jesus and equally is connected to each other. When we gather to worship, I, I think the perfect gathering would be the gathering of the sent ones, a gathering of missionaries who are there to celebrate God's call and to receive just, it's like a catapult that launches them into this next week of serving. Um, a couple of Sundays ago, or was it just last Sunday, we, we prayed for, for Eric and Kim. God has called them up to the Lake Berryessa area where, um, yes, they were able to buy a home, but they truly feel that that is a mission field that God has called them to. And if you were to talk to Kim especially, She'll talk about how personal that calling was, that God knows her and loves her. And Eric and Kim are called to that. I want to give you another example. Um, and uh, this is one, thankfully, that didn't call um, someone out of our area. 
Um, Michelle, I've been talking to you in the last couple of days about this, and Jonathan's got a, a picture he's going to put up a uh, screen share for us. Look at that. And I love the title, Marin's Better Makers. Um, if you can read the type down there, uh, it's the Ritter Center. Uh, Michelle uh, jumped in and was serving and was helping with, uh, with, giving, with giving out bags of groceries for Thanksgiving. She's done that a couple of times. And I think what a beautiful example of just going out and, and recognizing that God has placed you here to be on mission. What is your mission? It could be something that you jump into um, just in the moment like that, like Michelle did. It could be something where you end up establishing a nonprofit and you just pour your whole life into it. But whatever it is, God knows you, he loves you, and he's calling you to something. And it's possible that he calls you to something that's a little bit bigger than you. We just spent a lot of time on Thursday celebrating Emmanuel. Emmanuel means what? God with us. It's exactly what he told Moses. That's what he's reminding us when sending Jesus, Emmanuel. He is saying, I am with you. And if we took this Emmanuel name seriously, what might we do? If we grasped and acted on the truth that God is with us, how will that change what we do in the upcoming year? So calling is where God's love for me and God's love for others overlaps. It's intimacy and mission. To hear God's voice draws us closer to him. And to hear God's voice compels us to go on mission. And I believe one of the greatest things that we as a church can help you with is to learn to hear God's voice, to hear God call you his beloved and to hear God call you to a life of meaning and purpose. In 2021, one of my primary goals is to help you make space for you to hear God, to hear that you are the beloved and to be compelled to take that out on mission to take Jesus out into our surrounding community. Let me tell you um, kind of something personal that happened with me several years ago. And uh, it's when I lived in Florida. Um, this, is, this is one of those that at this point, I have no idea really how you're responding because we're on Zoom. <laughs> but I hope that uh, there is something stirring in you that maybe there's a light coming on. Um, as I said a, a month or so ago, uh, maybe that there that God is blowing on an ember that was dangerously close to going out, but he is, he is breathing his spirit, and you are realizing that there is a burning call within you to be on mission. That's what I desire for us to be in that, that type of church as we go into 2021. So let me tell you what, uh, how I encountered this passage several years ago. Uh, it's when I lived in Florida. And I was studying this story of Moses calling during a week-long pause. And I had taken a sabbatical, to be honest with you, I was exhausted. Um, I began to really question what my mission was and really thinking, God, I, 
I think I missed it. Maybe, maybe this is a mission I just dreamed up and this is not what you've asked me to do. So I went away to spend several days in solitude and silence and to search the scriptures as well as just searching deep in my own soul. And I was, uh, Beth was very gracious in uh, being a single parent for that week as I got away. And I looked, I looked ahead to what God was calling me to, not just in that moment, what I felt like was going to be next. And I was, I was freaking out. Um, I was questioning God and asking him if he really thought I had it in me to live out this calling. Now, what I wanted was a lot like Moses. And this was what it was kind of a funny moment for me when I realized I wanted God to give me an attaboy. I wanted God, I wanted to hear God say, wow, Gary, you are amazing and you're going to be able to do this better than you think. Um, but what I ended up hearing that week was God saying, I'm, I'm going to be with you. So I entered into that sabbatical um, in a way I called it a pause. And when I think of a pause, I, I picture the, the two parallel lines that are like on a music player, um, as opposed to the, the triangle for, for play, pause, or these two parallel lines. And uh, so I entered into this pause. And um, there in Florida where I went, uh, I ate most of my meals at a, near, at a nearby Subway restaurant that I could walk to from the condo that I was at. And I would take my Bible and journal and grab a sandwich, and then I would kind of hole up in this corner and it was during one of my meals there in that wood laminate booth <laughs> that a holy burning took place. And I pictured myself there and I found myself with what God was stirring in me on holy ground in the presence of a God who didn't give me a pep talk, but instead promised to go with me. And that was huge. Because I realized then that I'd been asking the wrong question rather than do I have it in me? I simply needed to inquire the Lord, will you be with me? And God says, yes, I will be with you. So there I am in the Subway restaurant. Um, it was it was lunchtime. I do remember that it was uh, there were some other people in there. And um, as I was seated there, I, I just felt like this was just a sacred moment for me personally. These don't happen very often, but when they do, I, I, I definitely remember them. And I just remember sitting there and I, I was like, so what do I do with this? And so I reread the story in Exodus um, as, uh, as we read it earlier, uh, that same passage. And so I, I took off my shoes as a simple of humble confession to God's presence and his call on my life. And, um, so there I stood, I took off my shoes. I stood next to the table barefoot. Standing and shoeless, I began to weep. And I don't know how often you see barefoot guys crying in restaurants, but this is what I learned that day in a public restaurant along Madeira Beach, that I was at home in God's presence, that I didn't have to hide. I could bear myself to a loving Lord who promised me his presence. A presence not based on my performance or my potential, but simply because he loves me and he wants to be with me. Now, looking back on that event, my stance 
paired with God's presence that day, it formed a pause symbol. God and I standing there next to each other. Um, and there I was, awestruck, as I stood face to face with God. God will graciously be with me, the two of us together. So here's what I want to do. I want to um, I want to kind of wrap this up with a pause. Um, and I want you to imagine the scene in Exodus 3. And as I read it again, I want you to imagine you were there, standing off to the side, observing the whole event as it went down. So if it helps to, to close your eyes, if it helps to turn off your video, whatever, um, picture yourself there out in the wilderness, which was probably more like a desert, if anything, and kind of standing off to the side, just kind of along the margins there, you're watching Moses and you notice when he first notices the bush that was burning, but not burning up. And then you watch Moses take off his shoes as he draws closer to the Lord's voice. And you listen in on that dialogue as the Lord describes what he is calling Moses to do. The cry of the Israelites has reached me, the Lord says, and I've seen the way of the Egyptians who are oppressing them. So now, Moses, go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. And there you are, listening in, maybe surprised, maybe not. Moses says to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? As you're watching this, maybe something in you just wants to say, you're Moses for crying out loud. <laughs> but then you hear the Lord's voice saying to Moses, I will be with you. And then something unexpected happens. You're still there. You're observing. But now the Lord calls you by name. And that Lord, the Lord says, you, standing off to the side, don't simply stand there observing from the margins. I am calling you too. Now, would you imagine standing barefoot before the Lord right now? Listen to him call you by name. Be drawn in by his love and his knowledge of you. I know you and I want you. And in the quiet of the next few moments, listen for your mission. Maybe it's something that the Lord has seen and that breaks his heart. And to address that need, he's calling you. Just as we kind of began this service, um, I, I said that 
God isn't something that you attach to your life. It's, it's more, you need to open up your life, not like a button, but a buttonhole <laughs> and invite God in. Will you commit to set aside time each day? Will you commit to that buttonhole to be still in God's presence and simply listen for your mission? What is it that he's calling you to do? I'm going to pray and we're going to go back to that song, Champion. I want you to um, listen to it intently. Um, listen to it as one who God knows and calls by name. Listen to it as one who does have a purpose and a mission. Father, I thank you. Thank you that you know me and you love me. Thank you that in spite of knowing me, you still love me and you still call me. I am I'm honored to be a part of what I truly believe will be a potent force here in Marin. Lord, it is our desire to take Jesus out into this community, out into this county and beyond. There are people who are hungry for the bread of life. Speak to us and let us know the unique ways that you are calling us on mission. Amen.